Father in heaven, we just want to say thank you, Lord, for life, for the gift of your grace, and for the gift of every blessing that you have shed upon our lives. We know, Father, that you will not be satisfied until we are made in your image. And so we pray that this sermon would help us in our journey home. We pray that it would instruct us, pray that it would bless us, that it would uplift us, and that would help us to love Jesus more with all of our hearts. This is our prayer, and we trust that you will help this to be our experience. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Did you bring your Bibles? Yes. Yes. Okay, put your hands down. Thank you. Is there anyone who has never brought their Bible to any of these meetings? Can I see your hands? You've never brought your Bible. You should be ashamed. Okay, you can put your hands down. We don't want people to identify you too quickly. So I'm going to specifically pray for those hands that just went up, that somehow the Lord would give you a Bible to bring so that you can follow along with us. For those of you who have brought your Bibles, I hope and pray that it has been a blessing and uh, that you're gaining insight and understanding and appreciation for, for the Bible. We're going to be coming from the book of Jeremiah in the 18th chapter. Jeremiah, in the 18th chapter, if you kind of follow Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Song of Solomon, then you go to Isaiah, and then you'll eventually arrive at Jeremiah. And we're going to be coming from the 18th chapter. When you're there, you can say amen. If you're not there, you can say have mercy. Okay. <laughs> or you just said have mercy, just to say have mercy. <laughs> Jeremiah 18, beginning in verse 1. Are you there? Amen. The Bible says in verse 1, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and there he was making something at the wheel. So God comes to Jeremiah, who is a prophet of God, and he says, Jeremiah, I want you to get up, and I want you to go down to the potter's house. Now, apparently, the potter does not have a name. We don't know his name. We don't know his birth. We don't know if it's male or female. All we know is his or her trade. And all we know that apparently there must only be one potter in town. Because if he says, go down to the potter's house, the is the definite article. Sorry if you're tired of English. But you have A, the indefinite article. If I said, go down to a potter's house, Jeremiah could choose which one. But because the Bible says the potter's house, the assumption is in the town where Jeremiah grew up, there was only one potter. And interestingly enough, most of the items made and used in those days were made of clay, which means they were made by a potter. And he tells his prophet, 
Go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. God leads people places to hear him. He sometimes directs them to the place to hear his words rather than speaking to them directly. You know, many of the things that we're going to talk about tonight, God could have just told you in a dream. Did you know that? God could have just given you a vision and said, here is a message for you. God could have spoken to you in your dorm. He could have spoken to you this morning. He could have spoken to you while you were walking to class. God doesn't have to reserve, but he chooses to say, I'm going to direct your steps where to go so that you can hear what I have to say. And indeed, many of you are here tonight because God says, I want you to go there so that you can hear my words. And this is what he tells a prophet of God whom God speaks by. He gives the word of God through Jeremiah. But now he's directing the prophet to say, in order to hear this message, you have to go to a particular place. And so he says, go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause you to hear my words. You know, just because you are here listening doesn't mean you hear God. There are many of you that say, I'm just listening to this tall, skinny black guy talk about things in the Bible. And for you, this is just a speech. This is about oratory skills. This is about how well does this guy keep my attention? How well do, do we connect with him as a speaker? This is not about the messenger. This is about hearing the words of God. And you should keep anyone who stands up at a pulpit accountable to that. That when Paul was dying, he charged his young disciple. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means it is God-breathed. The very life of God is in His Word. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be truly furnished unto every good work. Therefore, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Bible is God-breathed, preach the Word. Timothy. Be instant, in season and out of season. And so God tells Jeremiah, go down there and you will hear my words. should be listening for God. In verse 3, the Bible says that Jeremiah got up, he obeyed. And he says, then I went down to the potter's house. But you know, God didn't promise that the potter would be home. So as Jeremiah is walking down the road and he, he can see the potter's house in the distance, the Bible suggests that as Jeremiah is coming, he's not there yet. But as he's coming down, he can see that there he was. I, I, I love how the New King James Version puts it. There he was, the potter. He was home. And you expect if the potter is home, what is he doing? He's probably making a vessel. And sure enough, as Jeremiah is coming, he says, the potter is in his house. The potter is home. And not only that, he says, making something at the wheel. You, Jeremiah says something because he's not sure. Is this a plate? Is this a cup? Is this some sort of basin to use to draw water from a well? He can't really tell at this stage. 
But all he knows is the potter is active doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's in this house and Jeremiah can see into the window as this potter is kind of molding this clay. He's making something. He's active. He's shaping. And so he says in verse 4, And the vessel that he made of clay was what? What does your Bible say? It was marred. What does the word marred mean? It's okay. You can speak up. Be wrong and strong. Tarnished. Messed up. I heard something else. Scarred. Yes, all, all, of, these, all of these are definitely in that same ballpark. The essential definition of marred is it's ruined. So whenever you read in Patriarchs and Prophets and it says the image of God was marred in man, that means she's saying it was ruined. When something is ruined, it was in a good state. Just like, you know, I, had a, I have a younger brother, or I have many younger brothers. And when I was younger, in about high school, just about your age, my younger brother was in middle school. And I had a job so I could buy my own clothes and my dad believed in School shopping takes place at Walmart. And so I'm like, man, this is tragic, man. You're trying to <laughs> set me up <laughs> to get beat down in high school every day. So he takes me out to Walmart, you know, faded glory jeans, flannel shirts. I'm like, daddy, come on. He's like, $50 is all you get. I'm like, $50? I'm like, all right, one pants, one shirt. That's all I'm getting. So when I got my own job, back in my day, there was, uh, you know, different popular clothing and shoes. And one of the things that was popular were these Air Jordans, baby blue, Air Jordan 13. And they had the little blue stripe, the little jump man symbol. So I got them, and, and back then, they were $165, which is very expensive. <laughs> Nowadays, I see Jordans, they're like $400. I'm like, this is absurd. <laughs> Shoes better cause me to levitate and travel to space. $400. <laughs> and so I had these shoes, and so I used to be very, very obsessive over my shoes. My Jordans, my, I had Air Force Ones, I had some other Nikes, I had some Tims. I would clean my shoes every day. And then when I put them in the closet, I had specific shelves, and I would put a sheet over them so no dust would get on my shoes. And I always checked on them when I came home. It was like having kids. <laughs> and so every day when I would go to school, my brother would say, Sab, can I please wear your Jordans? I'm like, you have lost your mind. You don't even have a job. If something happens to my shoes, what can you do? I'll work it off. Doing what? You have no job. You're 13. He's like, please, man, I just need to wear your shoes, right? I'm like, no, no, no. Then one day, I don't know what came over me. <laughs> I decided to say yes. And I said, okay, Royce, you can wear my Jordans today. And of course, as I drive to school, I begin to realize it's going to be a rainy day in Atlanta. And I'm like, oh, I mean, if I was a Christian, I would have prayed. <laughs> but I wasn't a Christian, so I just hoped said, well, I just hope this brother does not mess my shoes up. So I go the whole day, I go to work, and then I come home, 
And sure enough, as I get home, I'm like, the first question, he's like, hey, Sab, where are my shoes? <laughs> and he didn't even have them out, nothing. You know, you could tell that when people don't answer your questions directly, hey, man, I'm your brother, man. How was your day? Where are my shoes? <laughs> where you usually put them? So he already took them and put them in the closet under the sheet. I'm like, for sure you did something wrong. <laughs> so I rush to the closet. I uncover the sheet, and I pull out my baby blue $165 shoes, and right there on the side is some girl's name in pink marker. My Jordans were ruined. I said, bro, <laughs> how in the world did you let a girl sign my shoes? No, man, what happened was we were in class, and just know he lived, he still lives today. <laughs> like Jesus still lives. <laughs> I accounted that God was able to raise him up. <laughs> I won't tell you the rest of the story, but I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all you need to know. <laughs> we share a room together. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> but nevertheless, the point remains is that the shoes were ruined. Couldn't get it off. And of course, she had to use pink permanent marker. Who has a pink permanent marker? Oh, mercy. <laughs> it was probably one of you that signed my shoes. <laughs> These were ruined. But I say this, this is a more, you know, light story, but when Jeremiah is watching this, he says this vessel, he has a, a particular use. And in, the, in having that use for this particular vessel, he says this thing is ruined. I, I can't use it to be a plate anymore. Can't use it to be a cup. I can't use it to be a bowl. So notice what the Bible says. It says that it was marred in the hand of the potter. That means he's holding it. He's still in, involved with this piece of clay. And the Bible says, so he made it what? What's that next word? Again. That means the potter says, I'm not tired of this clay. We don't know how many times he tried to mold this clay. How many times this thing became ruined. I was talking to an actual potter just to get a sense of like, okay, I want to make sure, you know, my, my sermon is accurate to the actual trade of pottery before I preach these kind of things because I have some ideas. And she told me, she said, yes. What happens is, she says, sometimes when you're on the potter's wheel and you're molding, she says, it's, it's kind of crazy. It's like the clay gets a mind of its own. And you're like, no, 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 I want you to go vertical. And the, and the thing just starts going horizontal. You're like, no, 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 I want you to go vertical. It says, no, I'm going to go horizontal. And she's like, it's kind of freaky because you're like, is this thing alive? <laughs> but she says it's true that sometimes you come in and you're, you're trying to make a, a plate or you're trying to make a bowl or a cup and the clay takes a mind of its own. And it says, this is what I want to be. So she says, as a potter, it is critical that you have gentle hands. You don't want to break the clay. You don't want to destroy the clay. If the clay starts going a different direction, it, it becomes ruined in your hands. She says, you just go with it. 
and you keep trying to make something else. And you see what comes out of that. She says it's a very organic, natural experience. And this potter was no different. He didn't throw away the clay and say, I'm going to get some clay that's going to cooperate. He says, I'm going to make it again another vessel. Something different from my original intention as seems good to the potter to make it. So we keep going in the Bible and he says in verse 5, Then, then, then the word of the Lord came to me saying, O house of Israel, are those the people of God or are those not the people of God? I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Anybody on this side? Okay, so we're, we're in agreement. The house of Israel are the people of God. They're not atheists. They're not agnostics. They're not pantheists. They're not polytheists. They're not pagan. They are believers in the God of the Bible. And he says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord, look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you what? In my hand, O house of Israel. So now God breaks down and says, let me explain the parable to you. This isn't about a potter and making clay. That's not what this is about. He says, this is about God and his people. And in other words, you can start from the beginning of the experience and say, Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. But if God is the potter, then we're saying we're going down to whose house? God's house. And he says, there you will hear my words. So then as you go down to God's house, God is in his house. You have to recognize something here, brothers and sisters, that there are many people when that woman had that issue of blood, that were touching Jesus. Many people were touching. So when he turned around and he said, who touched me? Everyone says, look, the crowd, the multitude is thronging you. You're asking who touched you? And Jesus says, no, someone touched me. And everyone's confused. Why? Because Jesus can tell the difference between casual touch and the touch of faith. There are many of you that come into these meetings, casual touch. Chapel wasn't anything special. Week of prayer wasn't anything special. But there's one person came with an issue. And because they come with faith that this meeting can change my life, they go away changed. You go back to the dorm the same. Casual touch. Can tell the difference of the people when they come down to the potter's house. That's what this place is. And when you're in the potter's house, you expect there to be a lot of clay. And when you go down, the potter's not just in his house. The Bible says he was making something. He was making something. He was working a work on the wheel. You see, we may expect to come to the potter's house to see all the vessels completed, but that's not what a potter does. The potter is always taking fresh clay fresh material, and making new vessels. So we may be tempted to come in here and to say, well, you know, this sister, this brother has been here for three years. He or she should be at this place. Guess what? The potter is working. He's making something in the life of every single young person in this room. 
He is molding you. And as he molds people, we need to recognize that when you see an individual struggling with an issue, you see an an individual having clearly a spiritual battle, we need to back up a little bit and recognize some people are under construction. Just see the orange caution signs. There's a detour. Just go around. And our churches would be much better for that kind of attitude. And when you look at them, you say, that person is not finished. That's okay. The potter is making something. See, in each of you, the reason why it's such a privilege and an honor to do a week of prayer at an academy is because you are in a state and in a time in your life where God is deeply molding you. Deeply molding. He is making something. You have no idea what God is trying to make you for. But you know, sometimes the clay while God is working, it becomes ruined. It becomes ruined. You know, when Adam and Eve came from the Creator's hand, completely in his image. And she tells us that when Adam and Eve sinned and ate that fruit, the angels stopped playing their harps. She says all of heaven went silent in shock. In shock. What God had made had now become ruined. But yet the Bible says, even though it was ruined, it was still in the potter's hands. I can tell you something right now. You may be ruined. You may think you have crossed the line. You may think you have committed the unpardonable sin. Or maybe you think there are certain decisions that you have made in your past that, is not, that have now disqualified you for greater service for God in the future. You say, you know, I'd I'd love to be more involved in ministry and in spiritual things, but I've made some bad decisions in my past. Listen to me. I've met and counseled many young people that have gone through sexual abuse. And in their mind, I'm ruined. Many a young man, many a young girl sold their virginity for a moment of lust and (laughs) irrational, rash decision. And their parents send them off to some spiritual school because they're like, hey, our daughter needs a lot of help. She just gave up her virginity at 15. Listen to me. I know the statistics. In America, the average age of losing your virginity is 13. Most people are exposed to oral sex by 15. 80% of people who graduate high school have already done it. Sexuality is a problem among people your age. That's just a reality, Christian, non-Christian. And we've made some decisions that we're like, man, I'm ruined. Telling you, people think like this, the devil gets us caught up. Sitting there alone with some young man, some young girl, and you're like, well, I've already come this far, I might as well. That is a lie from the pits of hell. You get a conscience, the Holy Spirit, stop right there. 
Just because you have come this far doesn't mean you can't go back. Doesn't mean that you're so ruined that no longer are you in God's hands. The Bible says it was ruined, yes, but it's in my hands. And not only is it in my hands, he says, I'm going to make it again. I'm not tired of this clay. I'm not going to give up on this clay. I'm going to keep working with this. It may develop a mind of its own. It may try to do its own thing, but I'm a potter. I have gentle hands. I'm not going to break the clay. God could easily break us. Many of you who come here with your stubborn attitudes and hard-heartedness and stiff neck, I ain't going to bring my Bible. I'm not getting up for no appeal. I'm not going to stay after for prayer. I'm not going to do my devotions. God could break you. She says when Jesus went to the cross, he could have blinked and everyone within his vicinity would have ceased to exist. Blink. Even the devils tremble and you tremble at people who are possessed by devils. I love when I read in early writings that Ellen White says she was in vision before the presence of the Father. She wasn't even fully in his presence. She was just approaching. And she says as she got closer and closer to the presence of the Father, she says there was so much power emitting from his presence that she says her body started waving in the wind like a leaf. She thought she was going to be destroyed. We don't understand. You can't just approach God. Many of us have a low conception. But based on the way that God deals with us, God has gentle hands. His goal is not to break us. His goal is to make us again. And that's the beauty of God. That's why Jesus came. To look at a man whose hand had withered. And Jesus could look at that hand and say, I didn't make your hand to look like this. I can make it again. To look at a boy possessed by thousands of demons. I didn't create you to be on the ground foaming at the mouth. Throwing yourself in the fire. I can make you again. Another vessel. But it's not what seems good to you. Well, God can't use me for this, so maybe he can use me for this. No, the Bible says, as seems good to the potter to make it. It's according to what God wants to do with you. In spite of our bad decisions. In spite of our mistakes. In spite of our ugliness. This is why you and I, we do not comprehend what Jesus has accomplished for us. In spite of the innumerable sins that you and I have committed, God says, you know what? Originally, I had you ruling the earth. But now, after those who are redeemed, who place their faith in Jesus, he says, I'm going to make them again, but this time, they're going to sit with me on my throne. They're going to judge angels. They're going to rule the universe. And they're going to dwell in the very inner sanctum of God. He says, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make them again in this way. As seems good to me. And so the question, the question of God 
is can I not do with you like this potter? In other words, Jesus is asking permission. Can I make you again? Can I make you again? In other words, the only role of clay is to yield to the touch of the potter. Maybe God is seeking to mold your life and in my life in some way. Are we resisting the potter? What is your answer to Jesus' question? Can I make you again? You may think you're ruined. You may think you've messed up. You may think you've gone through an abuse or some dysfunctional family, and you're like, there's no way. And Jesus is saying tonight, he's asking, can I make you again? He says, I promise I can fix what is broken in your life. I can fix it. I can heal your pain. I can make you useful to God. I can do that. But I need your permission. I need you to yield. I need you to surrender. To the molding of the potter. And you know when the potter is finished... He takes that vessel and he puts it in the fire. (laughs) And he says, when I put it in the fire, I want it to stay that way forever. That's why I put it in the fire. I'm done molding. Now I'm going to test it. I'm going to put it in heat. And the heat causes it to harden and to be fixed forever. I'm going to invite my wife to come up. She's going to sing a song. And as she sings this song, it is going to be my appeal. And my appeal is very simple tonight. Do you want to give Jesus permission to make you again? Do you want to say, Lord, tonight, I'm going to come with all my heart. I'm bringing everything, Lord. Me, my brokenness, my broken pieces, my ruined condition, and I'm coming and I'm saying, yes, Lord. You can make me again. I believe that you can redeem that which I have lost. I believe you can restore what I have given up and sold ever so cheaply. My answer is yes, Lord. You can make me again. You can make me again. I will let you mold me. I will let you mold me. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. And if you want to say your answer is yes, Lord, as she sings this song, then you just come up here and you kneel with me as we pray. You say, I want to say yes, Lord. Father in heaven, You see those whom your spirit has brought.
we are here, Lord, to say yes. You can make us again. A new vessel. As seems good to you. Lord, we don't want to resist your molding. We don't want to resist the gentle hands of the potter. We want to say, yes, Lord, you can. And so as the song was just sung, we come with all of our hearts. We want to love you, Lord. And we want to live our lives each day to know you more. And to take all that is in us and serve you only. Father, may you seal the decisions that we have made today. That we would choose to serve Jesus only with all of our hearts. To yield to the molding hands of God. You can mold us. You can shape us. And you can make us whatever you want. We surrender, Lord. We give up. And we're tired of fighting. Have your own way, Lord. Is our prayer. In Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.